Welcome to the Renovate Podcast. My name is Robert Newberry, and I'm on staff here with Renovate. This week, we're starting a new series called To Wander and Return, a study in the Minor Prophets. And this week, Ben Fuquay is talking on Hosea. We hope you enjoy. Praise God. How you doing tonight? Good. He is good. Our God is good. Um, I'm excited about tonight. Uh, I'm excited about this new series. Uh, for those of you guys who are in the loop, um, there is this group of books in the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. There's 12 of them. They're these kind of obscure books that we, that, uh, we don't hear a whole lot about oftentimes in church. Uh, we don't necessarily slow down and study them. And so what we're going to do um, off and on uh, for really the rest of the year is we're going to spend some time sitting in them. Uh, they are incredibly relevant. They are incredibly uh, powerful. Uh, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and, and I'm excited to see what he does as we unpack them. And so uh, we're just going to uh, go through them in order that they show up in your Bible. And so I'd really encourage you in this series uh, to, to read them, to study them. Tonight we're going to be in the first minor prophet, which is Hosea, um, and then we're just, next week will be Joel. I encourage you, read Joel this next week. Spend some time, uh, spend some time looking back at Hosea, looking forward into Joel, um, asking what the Lord would have for you in there. Um, but tonight is uh, the book of Hosea, which I love this book. It is 14 chapters long, and I'm going to cover it in 35 minutes, and so pray for me. Um, and uh, and I, I love that. I, I love that, but we're going to take a really big 30,000-foot level on some stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that we're not going to be able to get into and some, some nuances, and there's just so much richness in this book. And so that's why I beg you as a pastor, man, spend time studying it. Please don't depend on us for everything. Spend some time in this word um, for sure, especially a book like Hosea. Uh, so the, 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 the thing that we're going to see in Hosea is we're going to see uh, a people that wander from God, and we're going to see God's response to that. Uh, we're going to see his response to people who uh, wander from him, and then how he approaches them and what he does with them I, uh, I took, many, many years ago, I took uh, a road trip with a buddy of mine. This was before I was married. And, uh, and so it was just one of those weekends where it's like, man, we got like four days. What should we do? Let's just get in the car and just start driving. And so that's what we did. We didn't pack anything. We just literally got in my buddy Brian's truck, me and Brian, and we just were like, let's just drive. And uh, we drove and drove and we were like, let's go to Colorado. Okay, cool. So we went the West Texas route to Colorado. And yeah, I heard uh, somebody's done that. Yeah. And West Texas, for those guys who are from West Texas, uh, yep, okay, uh, it's a horrible place. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really, I mean, I, lo- I love that you're here and there's some repentance happening, but it's an awful place. And it's, uh, it's just boring, right? And we were in the car one time and we were driving in his truck and it was one of those road trips where we're like, man, we're just gonna get in adventures. We're just gonna get in adventures. And we had made a lot of bad mistakes that those four days and we were like, who cares? We're just gonna get in adventures and, and see what happens. And we were driving in West Texas and there's just nothing. And in, if you're driving in West Texas, sometimes you'll see like a, a hill, like way off in the distance, you know, and it's just flat land. You'll see a hill out there. And we were arguing about how far this hill way off on the horizon was. Right? I mean, how far you think? Yeah, we were arguing about it. We're like, Dude, let's just go walk to the top of that hill. We're like, all right. So we pulled over and we got out of the car and it was, it was a really high, it was like a Texas mountain. It was like a little kind of hilly thing over there. And we were like, all right, let's, we kind of got to go through this little valley. And so we took off and we were like, all right, let's go hike that. 
It was awful, guys. It was way worse than we thought, right? It was just, I mean, there was all this brush that we had to climb through and thorns and we're crawling under brush and it was just snakes are biting us and bears are attacking us. And there was just, that's embellishment. But it was, I mean, it was awful. And it was, we were sweaty and we had like one bottle of water and we were chugging the whole, we, that was gone about halfway through the, the hike. And it was just, and it seemed like the hill just kept getting further and further and it was taking forever. Have you ever seen the movie Schindler's List? It was, it was nothing like the content of Schindler's List. It was longer than Schindler's List, okay? Don't, I don't want an angry email that you think I compared it to the Holocaust. It wasn't that bad, but it was just, took forever, right? And we're going and going and climbing. And, and finally, we get there. And literally, it was, it was just, I remember sitting on this hill, and we were exhausted, and we were literally just scraped up from just, because you couldn't go around brush, so we were just trying to push through it or crawl under it. And so we were all just looked like we were in cat fights, and it was just gnarly. And I remember sitting on this hill, and we could barely see our truck, and, and it took us like four hours to make this walk to this hill. And I remember sitting there, and there was this huge wave of accomplishment. It was like, Wow. Man, because we, we weren't giving up, and we, we got there, and we were like, we did it. And I'm looking at Brian, and Brian's looking at me, and we're like, we did it. We got here. What a sense of accomplishment, which was then quickly followed by an, oh, crap. We got to go back. <laughs> we are exhausted, right? We are exhausted. We are spent. We are cut up. We drank all our water halfway through the initial trek. We have no water, right? We are just stuck four hours from our car, and it's just miserable, right? And I remember this wave of, this is awful. Like, this is where I wish I had a helicopter, right? Like, this is, these are the times I wish I could just call somebody and scoop me up and pick me back, or just, let's just take a nap for a couple of days, and then we'll try to recharge. And it was this miserable, miserable feeling. And here's what I think Hosea directly addresses. Hosea addresses those of us who just wander, right? Who just wander and get beat up and get torn up and we find ourselves sitting in this place in our spiritual life and we look up and we remember where we used to be, right? We remember those seasons when we were close to the Lord. We remember those seasons we were walking close to the Lord and then we've wandered and we've wandered and we've wandered and we've gotten beat up and we've gotten beat up and we've gotten beat up. And the book of Hosea specifically addresses a people who sit there and they just think, how did I get this far? How in the world did I wander this far from this God who I love, who I know is better? And it is this exhausting thing spiritually that as a pastor, I find myself wandering and I, I look up and I think, how did I get here? How did I get here and how do I get back? This is where we're going tonight. This is the book of Hosea. Um, the story of God's people who wander what seems impossibly far from God. Impossibly far from God and a God who chases them down. Um, the history and the context of this book we honestly don't know a whole lot about. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about Hosea. We don't know exactly uh, when he's writing, but we know he's writing to uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, before 722, which is when they get captured by Assyria and dragged off uh, into captivity. And so we know he's calling out God's people. 
and he's addressing sin in their life, and he's warning them of it. And so what I want to do uh, is I want to do a couple things tonight. I want to unpack in five minutes the entire book of Hosea, all 14 chapters. And by five, I mean seven and a half minutes, okay? Seven and a half minutes, I'm going to unpack the entire book. And then I want us to look at three crucial things to not miss that I think uh, Hosea lays out within this context. So again, big picture. The book of Hosea, the first three chapters are probably the most popular thing in Hosea. Any of you who know what Hosea is about, kind of, you think of the first three chapters. And it's the first three chapters, this picture of an unfaithful marriage, right? It's a picture of a, of a husband named Hosea, who's a prophet, who God says, hey, uh, thanks for signing up. Thanks for being my prophet. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want you to go marry this woman named Gomer who is a prostitute. And so Hosea says, okay, God, I will. And it's this really cool story of there's this, you know, he's this godly prophet and here's this prostitute named Gomer and he says, okay, I'm gonna go marry her. I'm gonna enter into a covenant with her and I'm gonna love her and I'm going to completely cover her with, with love and all of the shame that she's lived in. I'm going to bring her into my home and he does that and it's this beautiful thing and they have three kids together and the names of the kids are a whole thing that we don't have time for but they had these three kids. And then she continues, she continues to run from him and run back into the life of prostitution. And so the first three chapters, you see this cycle of he brings her back into the home and she runs off. He brings her back into the home and she runs off back into her life of prostitution rather than staying with this good godly man who's better. She runs back to her sin time and time again until in chapter three, finally, she has gotten to the end of that life because literally she is no more use as a prostitute. No longer does anyone want to pay for her as a prostitute because she has been down that road so many times. And so she is just sold as a slave and Hosea shows up and he says, yep, that's mine and buys her back. And it is awesome. It is awesome. And it is a very clear, specific picture of what God is doing with his people, the people of Israel in this time period. God is Hosea. God's people are Gomer. And they continue to wander off, continue to wander off. And he chases them down and buys them back. And it's this really, really cool thing. We're going to spend a little bit more time about that picture here in a second. But don't ever forget that picture. Don't ever forget that picture. A husband who chases down this prostitute of a wife out of his covenant, his great love for her, and says, you are mine. Incredible. And so God does this in Hosea's life. He does this with this prostitute named Gomer. And then in chapters 4 through 10, in chapters 4 through 10, we have the reasons for this unfaithfulness, right? We've got Hosea laying out now, after the story kind of completes at the end of chapter three, we have him laying out, here is why, Israel, you have been unfaithful. Here's why God's people continue to wander, continue to run from me, continue to go back into your sin. And it's incredible because I think as someone who wanders, right, as somebody who is prone to wander and lose sight of who God is and lose sight of how much better he is, uh, I think so often I ask this question, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Seven chapters in here. Uh, he, he does that. He unpacks really richly uh, what it looks like and where the causes of the unfaithfulness comes from. He, he talks about that there is no knowledge of God in, in Israel. And what he does here is this really important thing. Let me nerd out for just a second. When he says there's no knowledge of God at the beginning of chapter four, and I'm going to read it for you in a little bit, uh, what that word knowledge means, it shows up as knowledge, and some translations might show up as acknowledge, they're not acknowledging who I am. Uh, what that word means, it's a Hebrew word, yada, is this Hebrew word that shows up there. And it's a word that really doesn't just mean, oh, they don't know God. 
right? Oh, they weren't aware of him, right? Watch a Kirk Cameron movie and it's solved. Like, it's not like they don't know who God is. They grew up in a culture where like they know God, right? What it is, is the word yada is they don't really know me, right? They don't really know who I am. There is an intimacy connected to that word, right? That word is often used, that Hebrew word that sometimes shows up as knowing in your Bible is often translated as covenant knowledge or a covenant commitment to someone is this knowing and this commitment connected to it. In Genesis 4, that same word shows up when it says Adam knew his wife and they had a son. So it is this incredibly intimate, complicated, there's whole dissertations written about just this incredible Hebrew word. And over and over again in the book of Hosea, chapters 4 through 10, he says, man, you don't know me. You don't really know who I am. It's one of the causes of their unfaithfulness. Another cause of their unfaithfulness that we see uh, right in the middle of the book is there's idolatry, right? The, the Israelites are just wrought with idolatry. They're worshiping uh, gods who are not their God. They're worshiping gods who are not the true God. They're making idols and sacrificing uh, to false gods. They are cheating and betraying the God who has saved this people time and time again. And then thirdly, the third big theme that we see as a reason for, for their unfaithfulness is there's no trust, and what Hosea does is he points out that Israel puts their trust in two big political alliances, right? They put their trust in a political alliance with Egypt, and they're like, you know what? We've got Egypt on our side. This is really important, right? This is really what we're putting our faith, and they get called out for it, and they put their trust in Assyria also, and they get called out for that. And Assyria ends up betraying them, and Assyria ends up wiping out uh, the top part of the nation um, in 722. So he So that's what we see in the middle of the book. You tracking with me? Reasons for their unfaithfulness. They don't know God in this place. They're not worshiping God in this place. And they do not really have their trust in God. They are trusting in the things of the world. And then the final part of the book, chapter 12, 13, and 14, we see Hosea give a track record uh, for, for honestly them messing up and slipping up. And we see this track record of he he calls them out on on Joseph, right? He calls them out on... um, Uh, Jacob, excuse me, and reminds them just how much of a deceiver Jacob was as a part of the line of Israel. He calls them out um, when they were wandering in the wilderness and they would just lose sight of God so quickly. Um, And then God would provide for them and they'd be like, sweet, thanks so much, God. Ah, where's God? And they would so quickly forget. And then he calls them out on whenever Israel chose Saul. And when Israel chose Saul as their king, they didn't have a king before that. They didn't have a king and and, and God says, hey, I am your king. And they said, well, that's cool, but we want Saul. And God's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm your king. I will be your king. You don't need Saul. It's like, no, well, that's cool, but we really, really want Saul. I'm telling you, I'm a better king. Than Saul. Well, we really want. And Saul ended up being a lunatic. So that's the book of Hosea. It's 14 chapters, the illustration of the marriage of Hosea and Gomer that's happening throughout this. And then Hosea saying, these are the reasons for your unfaithfulness. And then him saying, look at this track record. Look at this history of unfaithfulness. Hosea is about a people who wander. It is about a people who wander from God and God's response to those people. Hosea is about us. Hosea is about you. We wander from God. We wander from God in our life. We choose other things. We put our trust in other things. We have shallow knowledge of who he is. 
We listen to sermons or we go to church or we check religious boxes, but so often there is a shallowness sometimes in how we truly pursue and know and are known by the God of the universe who makes himself available. Here's what I want Hosea to help us see correctly uh, tonight. Three crucial things to see from Hosea so we can avoid that, so that we can return from when we've wandered. Uh, Really crucial things. One, tonight, these are the the three places we're going. We want to see God correctly. We want to see ourselves correctly. And we want to see how God sees us in Christ. That is the big picture of where I believe Hosea is taking his people. If I get to preach anything from it, this overarching narrative of who we are, who he is, and how he sees us regardless of those things. So first, let's start with seeing God correctly. Um, And again, this is going to be a real quick flyby, but um, how to see God correctly, uh, the Israelites saw him and knew him as holy. They saw him as holy. There was holiness connected to our God. Exodus 15, 11, which was the people of Israel. Here's what they said. They said, who is like you, O Lord? They knew of his holiness. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? They knew he was holy. They also knew he had authority. Second Chronicles, in the same historic period of time that, that Gomer and Hosea was happening, the people of Israel said this. They said, oh, Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not the God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so no one can stand against you. They knew of his authority, and they knew of his justice. We see in Deuteronomy, the vengeance is the Lord's, justice and vengeance is the Lord. Again, Paul in Romans says, says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He says, the Lord will repay. We, as those who want to worship and know and not wander, if that's you in this room, we have got to have a proper view of who God is. We've got to have a proper view that God is holy and perfect. And are we a people that can acknowledge that? And not just theologically check the box of, yes, he's holy, because that that, that word has lost its meaning because that word has just become a word that we associate with religious things. As opposed to if we experience the holiness of God, are we in awe of his holiness? Is there a reverent fear about us because of his awesome holiness that he is above all things? The creator of all things, the one who sustains all life, that his authority keeps all things in place, and that he is a God of justice. That he is a God of justice, a God who says, this is right and this is wrong and I will do what is right. A God who says there will be penalty for consequences. We have got to see God properly. Second, we have got to see ourselves correctly. And here's, um, here's where I think we lose sight really hard. I think, it's, I think it's maybe a little easier for me to nod my head and say, yes, yes, God's holy. But to see myself correctly... And my flesh is to agree with Paul in Romans 3. It says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Hosea chapter 4. Right at that turn from when the story of Hosea and Gomer ends and then it gets into the reasons of unfaithfulness, this is what he says. He says, hear the word, O Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord 
has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. And then he says, there is no faithfulness or steadfast love. There is no knowledge. There's that word, yada. There is no knowledge of God in the land. You will see over and over again as you study this book, we do not know him. We are not steadfast in our love. Paul sees this later and says, no one is righteous. No, not one. We cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. Hosea was a, a blueprint for wandering. Right? It was this blueprint for how we wander from God. And, and I alluded to it earlier. How, how do we get to this place? How do we make these choices? So I, I want to remind us, they didn't know him. Um, they didn't know him. They didn't see him as God. They didn't have an intimacy in their walk with God. He was just a a faith of their fathers. He was a tradition. He was maybe occasionally a, a celebration to come and worship and maybe feel better about yourself emotionally. People didn't really know him. So tonight I'm going to ask you three questions and the first one's connected to that. Do you know him? Do you, do you know him in the way that God calls us to know him? I, I can't help when I read this and when I read the Israelites being called out on them not knowing this yada kind of knowledge of God, I can't help but to think of Matthew 6. And maybe the scariest, my least favorite story in the entire Bible, this, this story in Matthew 6 where, where Jesus says at the end of time, you will stand before me. Many, many will stand before me. And they will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not do many miracles in your name? And the Lord says, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you, he says. Matthew, Matthew 7, 21. I got it bracketed in my Bible. Because it's... It's scary. Man, there is assurance in our salvation of those who are saved. That's not what this is about. But man, I want my heart and my mind and my soul to be stirred by, am I going through the motions? Am I choosing a religion? Or do you know him? Is there fruit of his spirit living in your life? Is there an intimacy between you and the Lord that produces things that don't make sense? that don't make sense, that wouldn't be just behaviors that you would choose, but fruits of his Holy Spirit as an evidence of you truly knowing him, right? This love and this joy. Is there peace that surpasses understanding in your life? And do we know him? Do you? They didn't worship him in Hosea. They worshiped other gods. They worshiped other gods instead of the God who had Saved them so many times. Uh, I think worship, uh, when, I, when, you say, when you hear that word, I don't want you to think uh, singing songs. I think so often, even for me, like I think, oh, worship is the music part. And worship is the position of my heart. Right? I, we sing songs, and Casey will, Casey will preach this better than anybody as a, as a really talented musician and leader of worship. He doesn't see his role as somebody who's just leading music. Sees his role as peop leading people's hearts to acknowledge who God is and bow before him. Right? We sing songs and that helps and that stirs my emotions and helps keep me focused on truth that I'm singing of who God is. But it is a place of my heart to say, yes, this is 
who you are. You are these great things. You are holy. You are righteous. It's me. Worship is me finding my satisfaction in things. And we people are worshipers of something. Every moment I'm going to, my heart will intuitively lead to worshiping something. Whether it's Jesus or whether it's myself, whether it's my comfort, whether it's my fame, whether it's, whether it's worshiping and, and finding my satisfaction in the approval of other people, in instant gratification, you are worshiping all throughout your day, all throughout your week. You are choosing things to find your satisfaction in, to say, oh man, I am so satisfied in this. Whether it's what other people think of you, whether it is your status, where do you find your satisfaction? Are you finding your satisfaction in Christ? Or are you falling into the same trap, the same blueprint that Hosea lays out for you? Find your worship, find your satisfaction in Jesus. Man, what is it? Tomorrow is Valentine's Day? Is that right? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day sucks for some people in this room, right? Amen? Yeah. Um, man, Valentine's Day is one of those days that... Um, Man, I, think it, I think it produces some really scary worship, right? Some really bad worship in our hearts. Man, it, it, it so often, and it's not this bad thing. I'm not like a rail on Hallmark, and this isn't a boo Valentine speech, right? But, right, it's not. <laughs> See me afterwards for that. Um, but man, I, Valentine's Day, because it, one of those days, it just, you, it's, you're stuck on a day where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe find myself worshiping this person that I'm with in some ways that, man, that's not what Jesus wants. Finding my satisfaction in the fact that I have someone to celebrate this day with on this day and finding my joy and my peace and all of those comforts in that and my identity in that. Or this very real, very visceral feeling of, man, I hate this day because it reveals my complete lack of satisfaction. Because God has given us desire to not be alone. And it's this day that seems to celebrate this and, and, and drag that and people into the light and say, man, isn't this uncomfortable? And I hate it. I really do. I, I hate it because I grieve for my brothers and sisters who are stuck in that place. And I know it can be a stumbling block. Um, and, I, and that's hard. And I'm not making light of that. But I think it's just, I think relationships so often do that. Healthy relationships so quickly can still become this source of, I find my satisfaction in the status of having this other person or not having this other person and my worth and my satisfaction deteriorating. Man, we find our satisfaction in instant gratification. We find our satisfaction in money. We find our satisfaction in our job and then worship that and worship the, the credibility and the acclaim we might get in a career and we find our satisfaction in pornography. We find our satisfaction in drugs. We find our satisfaction in legalistic religion, which is worthless. And we think, look how religious we are. We find our satisfaction in so many other things than Christ. And I think Hosea is this reminder, <laughs> I am Gomer. I am Israel here, not worshiping him the depth of my knowing. I want to know him better, but also I want to worship him more. And already I see these two big markers of the blueprint of how we wander. Do you find your satisfaction in Christ? And then the third blueprint there in 
the, right in the middle of the book and really all throughout. I mean, Hosea does such a good job of being just repetitious, man. He just will go at you and go at you and go at you. It's, it's powerful. I'd encourage you to spend some time in it this week, especially with this, this context, to be able to kind of see it with this framework. Um, but they didn't trust him. Remember, they just didn't trust him. Egypt, Assyria, that's where we're putting our hope. That's where we're putting our confidence. In these nations, that's who's going to protect us. It's about political alliances. They didn't trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? And not, do you put your trust in Jesus, pray this prayer, but do you trust him? Look at your life. Look at the evidence of your life. Um, Man, if I'm honest, I trust him until all of a sudden my circumstances get really shaky. I trust him until all of a sudden it seems like things are falling apart. Man, uh, not too long ago, I kind of went through this little season where uh, it felt like some of the people who I uh, care about most, um, specifically in my role as a pastor, I was really worried, man, I don't know that they see me as a pastor worthy of pastoring. And it was this real fear that I had of like, man, I think these guys might not want me here. I, I think there might be some, some fear connected to this where it's like, man, I, I don't know that I want to be, I don't know that they want me to, to pastor people. I, I, I'm not sure what they think. And, and, and all of a sudden, the confidence that I had in what other people thought of me just washed away. And all of a sudden, I, I realized, man, my foundation, my trust is not in my calling that God has me here, that he will protect, he will be my defendant, he will be my lawyer, he will, but instead, my trust had been put in what other people think of me. What other people say about me was where I found my, And so as soon as my circumstances start changing, it's like, oh no, where's my trust at? Do you trust God? Look at the circumstances of your life. When the circumstances of your life get just rocked, are you still planted on something that is immovable? A God who is eternal, whose promises never disappear, who is in control, or when circumstances get rocked, do we crumble? Do you crumble? Do you trust him? And how have, how have you wandered in your life? What's that looked like in this season? I mean, what are areas my hope that the Lord would convict and say, hey, these are some areas, man, a lack of trust. A lack of worship for me, I'm better than these other things you're finding satisfaction in, or I want to know you more. How have you wandered? Where have you wandered to? Now, listen, um, as you sit here, my hope, and really my prayer this past week has been, Lord, would you bring conviction? Right? Would you bring conviction? Would I, would I preach the book Hosea? Would I show, hey, here's, here's what this looks like. Here's what God's word says. But Lord, would you take that? Would you, say, would you show us in this gentle, convicting way that God does say, hey, these are these areas that you've wandered from me. Um, I want us to see how God sees us who are in Christ. For those who have said yes to Jesus Christ and put their faith in Jesus Christ, how does he see us? And I think that's so crazy important because when we wander so often, one of the things that keeps us stuck is just how far it seems that we've got to get back, right? Just, man, we've wandered so far and it just seems like it's going to be forever to get back and we're out of water when we're exhausted and we're beat up because we got drugged to this place and now here we are. Um, 
Our God sees us with this mercy and with this grace and with this compassion. Hosea. Hosea loses his wife again and again and again. And so here's Gomer, this woman who has given her body to man after man after man after man for money and wandered from this good, good provider and protector. And she has found herself so far from the husband that God gave her, so far from her children, and she finds herself on a trade, slave trade block, being brought up too used to be a prostitute, too used by her own sin to be good anymore for sex. And so now here she is standing before a crowd of people being sold as a slave. That's us. That's, that's us, right? That's my heart. That's what I deserve. That's where God found me. That's where God finds you. Maybe you, maybe you relate to that tonight. Maybe you hear that and you say, man, I feel that way. I feel like I have wandered and wandered and I don't know what your sin is and I don't know what keeps pulling you in that way, but you just think, man, I am too far gone and you find yourself on the slave block and I just, I picture that and I see all these people bidding for this used up woman to be used as their slave. And Hosea comes in and he spends everything he has it's really cool how he bargains for her, right? It, it would imply that he actually runs out of money in chapter three and then has to also add to it, right? He, he adds to it with his possessions because he doesn't have enough money to purchase her back. And he says, that is my wife. Man, that's good. Do you see the grace of God in that, people? Do you see the grace of God in that to my brothers in this room who feel like they have wandered too far from a God who loves them, who feels like, man, the addiction, the patterns, the doubt, the anger, the sin, the past, whatever it is in your life, brothers, that you find yourself and just feel like I am so far gone and I'm trying to take these baby steps, but I feel so far gone. Do you see this God? Do you see this God clearly and what he says about you that if you are in Christ, if you have said, I'm not gonna try this on my own, I'm not gonna try religion, I'm not gonna try to earn it, I'm gonna surrender to Jesus, the only one worthy, then you're in Christ and you have a God who stands there and says, I am yours and you are mine. To my sisters in this room who are carrying around shame that is not of our God, sisters, stop. Stop carrying around shame and guilt that our God doesn't have over you. And he says, that's my daughter. That's what the God of the universe says about you. No matter how far you've wandered, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how far stuck you think you are right now, you have a God who sits there and says, I will buy you back. I will buy you back again and again and again. I will buy you back and you are mine. Hosea 11, 8 how can I give you up? How can I give you up? Again, remember who we are, who we are and what we deserve, people who don't worship well, who don't really know deeply our God and don't chase after him. People don't find our trust in him. And here's his response. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? 
How can I make you like Adam? How can I treat you like Zibalom, which, which were these cities that got wiped out in Sodom and Gomorrah? How, how can I do that? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. Hosea 14.4, flip to that. I will heal their waywardness. Remember who God is. Remember his holiness. Remember his righteousness. Remember what he deserves. Remember who we are. Remember what we deserve. And what's his response when he sees us where we belong on the slave block? Because we've wandered and wandered. He says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. That's the grace of God, his kindness that should then lead us to repentance. That's the book of Hosea. That is to you, church. That is to you. Daughters of the king, sons of the king, this is truth for you. You cannot wander too far from God. You cannot get too far away from a God who calls you back. He hates sin. He is holy. He is righteous. He is better than the things that you wander to. But he buys us back. Man, I hope you see properly here who he is and how he sees you in Christ. And then I hope and my prayer is that you can return to him. That you can see this God who stands there and says, I will pay the price of my son on a cross for you. And that you can return. And sometimes that so, seems so far. My encouragement to you is one step at a time. That you take one step at a time. When I'm sitting on that hill and I'm so far and I'm so exhausted, you get up and you put one foot in front of the other and you return to Jesus. One step at a time. Maybe tonight you see, man, I really want to know, yada, I really want to know this God better. Then you take one step towards that and you say, Lord, how might I know you with that kind of intimacy better? You find other believers who know him like that and you sit down with them and you say, man, who is the God that you see? Let's open up his word. He reveals himself to that. It's not emotion. If, if you take that intimate knowledge and just turn it into, I need, to, I need to listen to a better playlist. Man, that's gonna be good to stir your affection, but would you be rooted in his word and have his Holy Spirit in you that you submit to? Say, Lord, show me who you are. I wanna know you better. I think I've been just staying in the shallow end. I put my faith in you, but Lord, I don't really know you. I want to know you more. Take a baby step towards that. And reach out to us. Let us know. Get in a home group with other people who love Jesus. Maybe you realize you need to leave those other things that you're finding your satisfaction in. Right? Maybe tonight, one of those baby steps is, okay, there are things that I'm finding my satisfaction in that I've got to walk away from, whether that is whether that is lust, right? Whether that is things that you are watching, whether that is relationships that are toxic, whether that is an idolatry of your job, whether that is legalism and religious legalism that isn't of Jesus, but instead just going through the motions and confess them. Go and find someone and say, I, I need to walk out of this. Confess to somebody who will see you the way Jesus sees you. He sees you with grace and says, man, what is it? And can receive that kind of confession with grace. And if you don't know anyone, then Josh and myself and a few of us will be up front and we would love to pray over you. We would love to hear that. We'd love to walk with you through that. Taking a baby step towards that, confessing, seeing that, acknowledging that. And maybe it looks like, man, I'm not putting my trust in him. 
So tell somebody else, would you keep me accountable? Somebody else who loves Jesus, keep me accountable to continue to walk, to continue to lean on Jesus. Man, my hope is the Lord brings sweet conviction that turns to a depth of love because of who he is. That you would see you cannot wander too far. Then the grace of God can find you. And that would lead you to return one step at a time that you would return. We're going to go back into singing here in a second. And when we do, the guys are going to lead a song. A lot of you guys haven't heard it. I want to caution you to not sing lyrics. I want to caution you to, in light of God's word, in light of the entire story of Hosea, the first three chapters, the middle seven chapters of seeing how we wander and what causes that, to even the history of our wandering and God's people's wandering, that that would push us to not sing songs tonight, but to do business with God tonight. And as we sing these lyrics, lyrics like, you won't walk away, you won't give up, that there is much forgiveness, that he calls us his, that he won't give up on us. And my hope and prayer for you, Renovate, is that tonight you would do business with God. Where have you wandered? Sit before this God, confess to him, and return. Let me pray for you. Father, you are good and you love us, and we don't even understand it. We don't understand how, we don't understand why you love us so well and so perfectly. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who are carrying around shame and guilt that are not from you. That see Gomer far from you and feel the weight of their sin. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would give unbelievable freedom to my brothers and sisters who feel that tonight. And that that freedom would not come from just an emotional pat on the back, but it would come from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you are a perfect God who sent your perfect son, who lived the life that didn't betray you, who lived the life who found his satisfaction in you, who put his trust in you, who knew you because he was you. And then he hung on a cross for us and that those who put our faith in that Jesus, that savior, the one and only savior, and surrender our lives to that savior, that we are yours and when we sing lyrics like, you will not walk away from us, God, those would be prayers and acknowledgements because our heart believes that. You are sweet to us. You are kind to us. You love us so amazingly. Would we see clearly tonight and would we return? In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope that sermon was a blessing to you. We hope that you hear that no matter how far you think you've gone, that you have a God who is pursuing you 24-7, trying to chase you down just to show you how loved that you truly are. We've all been in that place where we feel like our sin has taken us too far away, that our past mistakes are too many, that we can't possibly still be loved by how many things we've messed up. But I hope that you see from this passage that God's character is too good to leave you where you're at, that he's so loving that he is doing everything he can to chase you down and show you that you aren't too far gone. So he's inviting you to return home to him, 
to welcome you with open arms, to show you that you are a beloved son or daughter. And that's our desire for you here at Renovate, that you would know the love of God, that you would experience it through community, through scripture reading, through prayer, that he would show you just how loved you are. And so if you want to check out more from us, you can reach us online at renovateftw.org or you can follow us on social media at renovateftw. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.